welcome to the 5-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Pri, and today we're going to be going over Flint, Michigan, finally getting some support, a border town in Arizona called Yuma that is having some immigration issues, and a story on awareness. If you could please rate and review the podcast, it'd be great, and don't forget to subscribe, please. Here we go. Flint, Michigan is finally getting some cash support. They've had problems in the past with uh, with lead in their water and having you know, general bad water. And they've been having these issues for, for a very long time. And, you know, the, um, the, you know, they barely been getting some support and they they finally got, they finally got 77 million in funding through the state to pay for water infrastructure improvements. The Michigan department of environmental quality announced 77.7 million loan to the city. Interest will be 0% and 100% of the principal will be forgiven. So it's pretty much a, uh, a grant, and uh, my sources for, uh, I should probably just get this out of the way now, my sources for this podcast are from abc12.com and from the uh, AZ, azcentral.com. So the Flint Department of Public Works Director Robert Rob Binsick said the funding is part of the $100 million promised to the city from the federal government years ago. The funding was passed through the DEQ's Drinking Water Revolving Fund, which is forwarding it to Flint. Flint will use the money on the following projects, completion of a pipeline hooking up to a secondary water source, improvements to the Dort and Cedar Street Reservoir and pump station, construction of a new chemical feed building, replacement of the Northwest Transmission Main, various water main replacement work, water meter replacements, and water quality monitoring panels. Over the next 20 years, they will still need an additional 300 million. So, you know, here's here's the thing, you know, it's it's where are the priorities, and obviously this this has been going on for for quite a bit, and and it hasn't been resolved. And how long does is is it going to take for these issues, actually these very big issues that need to get resolved, resolved, you know, like lead in people's water, considering how toxic it is, you know, who is responsible and, and who takes responsibility? Is it the federal government? You know, should the federal government have a, have a hand in this or is it the local government, you know, f- for, you know, for doing the budget and, you know, you would think that there would be some kind, there would be more money set aside in the, in the, in the state budget for, for these projects. So, uh, so we'll see. You know, one thing that, another thing that's happened is, is, um, is, uh, you know, the cathedral in France started burning down, you know, the other day. And, you know, you wonder what could have caused it, you know, because, Considering it's such an an old building, you know, the inside of that place was probably, you know, like throwing tinder into a fire, probably just lit all the way. Was it, you know, was there like some cleaning? Was there, uh, you know, some kind of maintenance going on? And then, you know, it's it started a fire because the whole place went up. And if you notice the entire, you know, a lot of the world um, is, is pledging a lot of money. I think they've gotten $675 million in in donations so far a lot from France, but you know, it was a, that was a, a very big, maybe cultural, uh, a cultural building, kind of like the Taj Mahal, how it's, it's, it's renowned, you know, around the world, 
you know, or, you know, the Washington Monument, you know, these things are very, you know, very recognizable, you know, when you see them. And, and yeah, I I think that it's, it's a big deal that it's, that the, the spire, you know, burned down. But at the same time, you know, yeah, it's a symbol. It's obviously a symbol for uh, Catholicism and Christianity. But when it comes to these types of things, people are very quick to throw money at them. But when there's other important issues like, say, you know, this water problem in Michigan or or homelessness, which is pretty much a, a problem around the world, you know, like there's there's nothing that's given and and there's nobody there to to kind of pick up the torch and, and, and try and solve it. And I wonder why, you know, the American government would would be willing to send money to France to help this to help this cause. And yeah, sure, it is a worthy cause because uh, because of, of what it is. But why aren't they so quick to you know put that money into into other things? You know, like say a um, that you know, a hundred million could be thrown to to Michigan to help with their with their with their water crisis, or even the immigration problem that's going on that we're going to get into in the uh, in the southern states, because obviously we need more border patrol agents. You know, why can't, why can't we? Why are we throwing money at you know rebuilding you know a cathedral in France when we need to be throwing that money into the United States? You know. And even Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is still having power issues, you know, out there and they're U.S. territory, you know, and yes, some of that blame can be thrown on their local government. It can, but, you know, there are other issues at hand than, than throwing money, you know, to France than to, to solving issues that we have here, you know, in the United States. So onto the, uh, onto the border issue. Or the immigration issue, I should say. The town of Yuma. Yuma is the first border city in the U.S. to declare a state of emergency as part of its response to the latest surge and the number in the number of migrant families reaching the U.S. Mexico border to seek asylum. Mayor issues a proclamation of emergency, the first local government to do so. He's quoted as saying the mass release of migrant families from federal detention facilities into the city of Yuma without provisions for adequate food, water, shelter, and medical care threatens to cause injury, damage, and suffering to persons and property located in the city of Yuma, Yuma County, Arizona, as well as causing humanitarian crisis, the proclamation read. And this is a, this is a gigantic issue because, you know, when you read the news and they say that it's, you know, let's just you know, let these people in, you know, there's a lot that goes into that when you let these people in, because, you know, a lot of them come with, you know, they're coming from impoverished cities. So their health isn't, um, isn't the greatest, you know, and maybe they've had pre-existing medical conditions that, that need treatment. And, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that takes money and, and the programs that we have set up for it right now, they just don't have, they don't have the money that's needed. And, and so it's, it's a very complicated problem. And, you know, the, the U S if, if you look at Congress, you know, they're and, and, and actually if you look at the left and right and, you know, they're, 
they're jostling over this issue. You know, it's it's a huge fucking problem because, you know, these people's lives are at stake and these these people are getting nowhere because they both want their own thing and they're not willing to to come to the middle and 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 find a common ground. So, in March the border patrol um in March, the Border Patrol agency started releasing migrant families from the agent's, agency's custody. At that time, the mayor brought several community groups together to open a temporary shelter to help these people. The problem is, is that there's, they are at capacity as of right now. And they were notified that they are planning on releasing more migrant families, but they don't have anywhere for them to go. So the Border Patrol, you know, they're taking, you know, they're, they're, they're getting these people, they're getting these people coming in and they're they're releasing them you know into yuma and yuma doesn't have anywhere for them to go you know they, they've tried to 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 pop up these shelters and and you know they, they they're at capacity and and when they're at capacity that's causing up infrastructure issues on getting these people you know where that they where they need to go and one of the biggest challenges is helping migrants is the inability to get them out of Yuma and on the road quickly. The transportation network is just insufficient to keep up with the demand that Nichols said. And the backlog of people staying at the shelter has created this capacity issue. When migrants are released into the community with a notice to appear in court, the relative they will be staying with is responsible for purchasing their bus or flight and at flight ticket information to their location. The Yuma area, with a population of 200,000 people, has limited bus routes and transportation options compared to larger cities like Phoenix and Tucson. And since the migrant families are also released into those cities, migrants in Yuma often struggle to purchase their tickets, so they end up staying at the shelter longer, according to Captain Jeffrey Breezel, who operates the temporary shelter for the Salvation Army. Mayor Nichols is trying to get other border, other border mayors to declare a state of emergency so that they can get federal help because it, it's, it's a federal issue. So if he gets these, if he gets the mayors to also declare a state of emergencies because a lot of these other towns are having similar issues, it'll force the federal government to come up with, hopefully to come up with a, with a resolution to help them or at least get, uh, maybe, maybe get FEMA involved to, to come down and because get get FEMA to come down and, and, and help out because you know, at what point will this be considered a federal disaster when you have, you know, our our US border cities overrun with with Mexican migrant family not just Mexican migrant families, but families that are coming from, you know, South America as well. Because, you know, countries like, you know, Honduras are and and Honduras and, and Panama, you know, they have they have such high crime rates that the people there they have like a horrible horrible um quality of life and so these people are are trying to come through mexico and 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 seek asylum in the united states because you know they have nowhere to go because uh the crime is so bad and 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 the local governments in honduras and you know country and and panama you know they don't they they can't they can't help these people you know there's no work you know there's a lot of crime so they come to the United States looking for uh, refuge, and why not? You know, it's better to be poor in the United States than than poor in in, in Honduras. So th- there's a lot of people coming from you know these South American South American countries through the through Mexico to the United States, 
and there's nowhere for them to go when they get here. And not only are these some of these people just families and women and children, but they're criminals as well. And 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 there, there's bad people hiding amongst the women and children. So when you when you get to the border, and you look on TV and you see these families, you see, you know, obviously, you know, some good people that that are looking to come here, but the wolves are hiding amongst the sheep, and these bad people are looking to get in here too, and that causes a huge problem. The Customs and Border Protection Agency alone has has processed a thousand people within the last three days. So, I mean, th- this is this is happening right now, hour by hour, you know, and it's not stopping. And there's, there's, there's n- the border patrol. They are undermanned, understaffed. You know, they're they're trying to get people from from other other agencies to come down and help, and and they're being sent to Yuma to try and help out there as well. And you know, there's there's just so much to do and so much going on. It's just a huge issue, and I I implore people to to look into this more because it's such a um, you know, it's such a a travesty because you know the local government there is looking for help, but the federal the federal government hasn't been able to do anything yet because the left and right are are, are squabbling. So um, so yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the situation that's going down in Yuma right now, and uh, and it's it's uh, it's rough. So, I was uh, another story was brought to my attention, and it's uh, it's about a guy, and this goes out to everybody that is, um, you know, driving around. You know, whether you're driving to the store, or you're driving to work, or you're you know any, anywhere that you're going, going to your mom's or mom and grandpa's house or wherever. And this guy was, uh, he was driving and he witnessed a, uh, a, a rollover. So he, he had his, uh, he's got a, like a, um, like a panel that you put on your, on your vehicle that has, uh, pouches that, uh, that adhere to it via Velcro. And the, the system is made by Fieldcraft Survival. And if it sounds familiar, we had their CEO on the podcast, uh, Podcast 16 with Mike Lover, and they developed this panel where in an emergency, you can, uh, you can take these panels off of, your, off of your vehicle via Velcro very quickly in an emergency. So if you need to deploy a medical kit, for example, you can grab your, your supplies very quickly. And the panel, I also believe, turns into a backpack if you, uh, if you need to go on foot. So, so this gentleman, this a good Samaritan, he went out and he went to go, uh, he grabbed a panel, went to go assess the situation and realized that he grabbed the wrong one. So he had to run back and, uh, and grab another one. And, and then he went back to provide, you know, basic aid to people. Luckily, nobody was, was seriously injured, but, um, you know, he grabbed his supplies, he treated some uh, minor wounds. And after a few minutes, he realized that he wasn't sure if anybody called 911 uh, to, to get help. And th- this is a common, this is a common response to deploying into a traumatic environment because you're immediately going to be stressed when going into this environment, especially when you're looking to help. 
and you're going to you're going to forget things and if you don't and if you don't train if you don't stress yourself while you, while you train when you get into a real world situation the stress is going to be new and you're not going to be able to to think clearly and it's best to when you get into a situation like this to kind of settle yourself down assess the situation that you're that you're going into so that you can get your mind correctly so that you grab the right equipment and when you go you can um you can provide aid uh, quickly and precisely but um you know this guy he he um he hadn't trained that way and it's not his fault you know he's going in there and it's it's hard it's hard when you get into a situation like this because um you want to you want to do the best that you can and you're, you're looking to get in there and 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 get hot and and, and help and it's it's very it's, it could be a very special, uh, stressful situation. And I'll, I'll relate to a situation that I had when, when in my military days, um, I was, uh, me and me and some, um, some fellow, some fellow battle buddies were headed. Uh, I, I served the J, at the JSA in, in, uh, in Korea and where that is, it's on the 38th parallel and it's on right, right between North and South Korea. And, uh, we were heading down from our, our base up there from the JSA heading South and we were going to go bowling and we were on the, we were in the van and we're cruising. I had my headphones in and, uh, out of nowhere, I just see debris flying everywhere. I'm like thinking to myself, what was that? You know, I threw my, threw my earphones out and all of us ran out of the bus. There had to have been maybe uh, 10 of us, maybe 10 or 12 of us. And there was a big vehicle accident, so we we went to go assess what was uh, what was going on. There was a guy in the ditch. There was a guy in in, in a truck, and uh, we 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 helped the guy down um, out of the truck. We per- we performed uh, basic basic first aid, and uh, we real and we uh, tried to get a uh, a medical like an ambulance to, to try and come and assess the situation. The problem was, was that the direction that the ambulance was coming was there was a traffic backed up behind us because everybody stopped. So it couldn't get in. So what we did was we, we, we loaded these, these two casualties into our van and we drove uh, to the nearest hospital so that we can get them there quicker. And, you know, I assessed the guy, you know, that I was with and he wanted to call his wife. I knew basic Hangul, you know, but he was holding his phone and he wanted to call his wife. And I was just trying to reassure him that, that everything was okay, you know, so that he didn't go into shock. And, uh, we got them to the hospital and, you know, they received treatment and, uh, and everything was okay. And, uh, but as I, as this happened, you know, it was kind of surreal and since we have trained, you know, doing these things on assessing a casualty in combat lifesaver school and, and doing this training, you know, I was used to being in like these semi-stressful environments, uh, doing, doing, um, you know, accessing a casualty. So when the situation actually came, it wasn't really too stressful. And if I hadn't have done that training, 
I wouldn't have been able to provide as good a bait as I did. And as the other guys, the other 10 guys, nine guys that I was with, wouldn't have been able to act the way that we did, you know, kind of in this second nature kind of way. You know, we would have probably wouldn't have been used to that stress and probably wouldn't have known what to do, you know, and, and not made as decisive decisions. So, so uh, back to the story of this gentleman, you know, this guy who, who helped these, who helped these people, everything worked out fine and, and, and everything was good. And all he needed was just a little bit of training. And he, I'm sure that he's the next time he's in a situation like this, he isn't going to get that initial stress and, uh, and he'll be able to execute a little bit better. But the moral of the story is, is that you never know when anything, um, anything like that can happen. And when it does happen, you need to be prepared, not just for yourself, if, if you are in a, in a vehicle accident, which a lot of people get into, or, or, or an accident on a train, say a, a train derailment, or you're in a restaurant and somebody's choking, you know, it helps if you know, uh, you know, CPR and first aid, you know, these things are, are, are very important to know because you can not only help yourself, but you can help your loved ones and you can help your, uh, you know, just general general people in general being a good Samaritan, you know, because we're all out there to, uh, for each other. If someone's, you know, in, in, for instance, if someone's choking, what are you going to do? Just stand there and, 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 and look at them? You know, you can help someone. You know, calling 911 isn't always going to be, won't always help somebody. It, it would need you the, you'll be like a citizen first responder in helping people. So, uh, so I'll leave off on that and, uh, on the, on the awareness and, uh, you know, guys go out there and try and get some training, try and prepare yourself for, for semi, uh, semi stressful situations so that when they happen that you're more prepared and try and be a a good Samaritan, uh, like the guy in the story that I told you, I don't want to release his name and, um, and take care and guys, uh, thank you for everyone who listens to the podcast. We're we're very grateful and very appreciative. Please subscribe, uh, rate, and review. And uh, this is pre out. Mm-hmm.